Hello, this is Fantastic Noise. In this episode, the last in this run, we speak with Joel Emery from Holy Smokes, writer of podcasts The Offensive, Jackie the Ripper and Boom. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thanks for your time, and thanks again for your ears. Back in February 2020, I hosted a Beds Talk event at the University of Bedfordshire about making audio drama. We recorded it, and it's an episode on this feed if you wanted to scroll back. But I spoke with Jeremy Howe from BBC Radio 4's The Archers, But I was also joined on stage by Adam Jarrell, actor in and director of The Offensive, an ongoing podcast comedy drama following a fictional Premier League football team. In the audience that evening was Joel Emery, the writer of The Offensive. And since then, lots has happened, but most pertinently, Joel and Adam have collaborated to create two more podcast drama series, Jackie the Ripper and Boom. And they form their own company as well, Holy Smokes, as a result of their success. Full disclosure here, I'm a huge fan of The Offensive, and I'm a huge fan of those two follow-up podcasts as well. They are so clever in their own ways, great entertainment, highly original. So speaking with Joel, as you will hear, I do occasionally go into fanboy mode. Sorry. We spoke on Zoom in August, and it didn't take long for us to be talking about football. What team do you support, Joe? I forget. I'm an Exeter City fan, and I, I always say I have this conversation with Adam. I always feel guilty for saying. Joel that told me with some like level of embarrassment about how he felt like he wasn't a proper like fan who turn up at, you know, <laughs> FA Cup third round games and turn up at playoff finals at Wembley and go, "Go on, Exeter." Yeah, well, um, I'm sure Exeter will take what they can get. (laughs) If you're not interested in football, don't worry. This episode is focusing on the specifics of creating an audio drama, even more specifically as a podcast. After this conversation, I will tell you about something I've enjoyed listening to and reveal our radio word of the week. But first, let's hear a quick clip from The Offensive. Side Ashwood City made history today as their head coach Eric Van Schmidt has received a 10 match touchline ban. It is the biggest in the history of the Premier League. Give your attention now to the madness that is Ashwood City and in particular manager Eric Van Schmidt. Guys, do you think his antics really warrant the longest touchline ban in Premier League history? I mean, he is out until October. Luke Moore, do you think it's fair that he's out for this long? Uh, no, I don't think that's fair. Really? No, I don't. Because I think he should actually be banned for the entire season. It's a disgrace. And Ashwood City, as I've said before... With Holy Smokes, you have three successful podcast dramas to your name. The Offensive, Jackie the Ripper, and Boom. They are all different. They're all fantastic, clever listens. And I think it's fair to say all written by you. Uh, So you'll be well positioned to answer this question. What makes for entertaining audio drama? I think you've got to replicate mediums with which people are familiar. For example, the offensive is about a fictional Premier League football team. 
my listeners for that show are going to be predominantly Premier League fans or, or football fans. 99% of them will be. And they know the furniture of a Premier League football club. They can see what the great, the stadium looks like. They know what they can guess what the sort of the front office and the board of directors looks like and things like that. So with audio, because you don't have that visual, you're going to try and replicate something that people are familiar with. With Jackie, that's obviously a retelling of, of the Jack the Ripper Whitechapel murders in a universe where the, the victims are male. The body of a man brutally murdered in Whitechapel was discovered this morning and declared by senior police officers as a sexually explicit body count increasing and the telltale sexual brutality. That was about replicating a sort of cop drama true crime style thing because so again the listener is familiar with those kinds of environments and then boom is set in 1999 and we put a lot of effort into making you feel like you're in 1999 you're going to see the newest markets opening up a senate panel describes y2k as a worldwide these aren't descriptive narrative reads where um, there's a voice that's going to talk you through every everything that's going on in the room. We're not going to describe to you what the characters look like. So you're doing all the work. And the best thing that we can do is replicate something that you find very familiar. Jackie the Ripper has, I mean, the best feedback we had for Jackie the Ripper was for chapter nine or episode nine, where there was a car chase. Ah, get off me, man. I didn't mean to. Donna, stop my seatbelt. Chief Inspector, this is a bus lane. This is a bus lane. Can we please call for backup or something? Which is... When you think about it, probably the worst thing you could do in audio. But if you do it right and you replicate where car chases happen, which is in cinema, if you do it right and you make it sound cinematic, the the listener does all the other work and they will they will put the characters in the car where they think they are and they will draw the streets in their mind. And, you know, when that car whizzes by and there's police sirens going, they will see all those things in their mind. But you've got to help them. And the best way, I think, to do that, to make proper audio drama, is to replicate those mediums that people are so familiar with. That answer sounds like I'm sort of discrediting all those people that absolutely love audio drama and all those other mediums come secondary to them. And that's great. But the fact of the matter is there's about 200 people of those in the uh, people like that in the UK. And I need more than 200 people to listen to my show. So generally, I will replicate um, those mediums that people are familiar with. In the offensive, I'm satirizing them. In Jackie, to some extent, I'm satirizing them. But then in something like Boom, I'm totally indulging in the levers that people pull on television and film and you know sci-fi and all that kind of thing. So that's what I that's what I would say. If you if you want to make audio drama that really grabs people, I would take the absolute best elements of all the other mediums and finding a way of putting it into some sort of audio narrative. Is that too in-depth an answer, Terry? No, not not at all. That's a fantastic (laughs) answer and and, and really interesting. And pulling apart the answer slightly, you know, a part of it, especially when you're talking about the offensive and and who you know would be interested in listening to the offensive, you're you're considering your audience from from what you're saying. Mm when you're writing the drama you are thinking about the audience of that drama which is i guess for anyone who is looking to make their own audio drama um it is something to consider why is someone going to be interested in <laughs> the drama you are yeah producing? i mean it's, sorry when covid happened 
when it debuted in March 2020, mm. I got, and bearing in mind the football season had stopped, I got four, I'd never been interviewed before and I got four offers to be interviewed on podcasts. And three of the four podcasts had just begun. I was like in their third episode or their second episode or whatever. I always kind of asked them off air, if you can call it that, why did you start a podcast and stuff? And they were under the impression that during COVID there was a podcast boom <laughs> because, you know, everyone's at home. What do you do at home? You have a microphone, you can make a podcast easy. They always were disappointed to learn that actually podcast numbers for every podcast, even the very biggest ones, dropped by about 25% when COVID happened. Mm. And the reason why it dropped, in my opinion, this is not <laughs> verified by anybody, is for the first time, podcasts, audio drama, call them what you want, were competing with Netflix, they were competing with Prime Video, they were competing with the major broadcasters because people weren't on the tube and they couldn't do anything else. They weren't in their car where they couldn't do anything else but audio. You suddenly were thrown into competition with all these other things and podcasts actually suffered. Mm. And I, that is something that keeps me thinking as a writer is that this person is in a position where Again, sorry, if you are a big fan of audio drama, that's top of your list. <laughs> that's fine. But the, the people I'm dealing with, audio drama is not top of their list. It's one of the things they enjoy, but they, they might be rather like watching something true crime that Netflix have delivered that's cost $8 million. So they're, do, they're listening to my show when they're doing a chore or you know they're painting the house or something. They're listening to me when they're on a train. They're listening to me when they're in a car. And generally, when I'm writing... If I was writing for TV, those kind of breadcrumbs that you put down to eventually pull in a plot and then refer back to those moments or maybe have some kind of dramatic twist, they're much, much, much more obvious in audio. And I have to drop them much more frequently. I have to make them much more obvious. I Sometimes I have to sort of tie them into jokes so they feel a bit more natural because that person... I don't necessarily have their undivided attention. To be honest, I don't think any media platform has anyone's undivided attention anymore, but mm. I certainly don't. So that's when you say, am I thinking about the listener? That is a lot of the time how I'm thinking is, did they listen to the last line? Did they listen to the thing that I said in the first half of this episode? How clear do I need to make that? So yeah, that that's generally, that's the only time I'm thinking about the listener, I would mm. say. With the same question in mind, but I guess breaking it down to, to more minute levels, uh, what I'd be interested to know is um, if you're thinking about how to make entertaining audio drama through different premises and, and situations or, or throwing in elements of surprise or, or if like you're thinking to yourself, what will make this entertaining is the production and adding certain sound effects in certain places will add humour... Obviously, you're producing different sorts of podcasts, and and although there are lots of hum, there's lots of humour in your podcasts. Um, it's mm. not exclusively humour. Do you break down like when you're writing an episode? The episode must have certain elements into it. I would say with the offensive, no, and I just the reason why for people that aren't familiar with the offensive, it is out weekly. It comes out every Premier League match week, so it's written on a Tuesday morning and it is uploaded on a Sunday evening. So uh, wider themes outside of satirising the Premier League and their football clubs don't really get in that much. Jackie the Ripper 
what goes on my mind a lot in Jackie the Ripper in terms of the themes that, that have got to be delivered is that we're not making fun of women that were murdered 130 years ago. That's the first point. The second point is that we're not making fun of the female experience in recent years, which has also been pretty horrific. What we're actually trying to do is we're making fun of how men would react if the shoe was on the other foot. So a lot of the time I'm thinking in those kinds of terms for Jackie, for Boom, for you know, this is full disclosure, for, mm. for Boom, it was what is called in the industry an IP play. Um, it was from the beginning, from its early days of talking to Stack about it, it was not... So, so in podcasting, you, you basically have two ways of playing something. One is scale, where you're going to do three or four episodes a week and it costs you nothing. It's two people in a room, three people in a room chatting about usually a specialist subject like history or whatever. Or you do something which is an IP, pay for, IP play for intellectual property. Boom has six episodes. Mm. It's hard to write. It's hard to direct. It's hard to do the sound design. But the product at the end is very valuable not because it will do millions of downloads because you only get multiples of six anyway and audio drama is still finding itself in the podcasting anyway but because there are literary agents and i'm saying this now i've just had a call that, that talked about this there are literary agents that jump on these kinds of things because they do see potential for film for television for books for theater I'm not naive enough to think, I don't rub my hands together and go, there we go, we've signed a deal, it's off to be made as a film. But the way it works in the industry is you get a, a chunk of money for them to have the right to shop that f potential film around for a year. And if they don't, you get the rights back and you can shop it around again. So that's where you make money or you know build your career in that respect. So Boom was an example where I probably was overthinking large themes and character depth and it had some humor in it but by our standards it was actually quite little i was meticulously obsessed with 1999 and what happened in september 1999 and what happened in october and i was kind of following that path there's a lot of themes in it about time itself because there is a sort of underlying sort of subplot about time travel so that's what I was thinking in, in, in terms of those things. I don't think that's exclusive to audio drama necessarily. That might be just the way I was thinking as a writer. I don't even know if that's answered your question, Terry. Ah, this, I'm really this sorry is, about this that. Is, no, you don't have to apologise. This is really, <laughs> really interesting. Okay, let's, let's focus on, on Boom slightly more because it's the most recent um, of, of the three. I mean, not counting the offensive, which has been ongoing for five years, but Boom... For anyone who's not listened first, you should definitely listen, and I'll put a, a link in, in the show notes to, to inspire you to make that click and then listen. It's based on, as you've already said, a story in, in the, the late 90s. There's a time travel sort of element to it, but it's, it's actually about a real-life thing that happened, the Enron scandal, I guess, for, for want of a better description, which... I sort of knew of loosely as a thing, and I guess this is what you're kind of, as a writer, thinking about, like people might have heard or vaguely remember mm. something about Enron and something to do with financial issues. But then literally, what I had to do is like look it up. So the Wikipedia entry for the yeah. Enron scandal, I'm like, right, I've got to try and clue myself up. But what, has, what was happening here? Was this a real thing? It was a real thing. 
and so your story obviously is based on real events and and even I guess some real people. Um, do you have yes, to be and yeah. so you have to be careful when you're writing something that is about real people. The funny thing is, Terry, if you like uh, laughing at greedy corporate moguls. <laughs> Those people are still in jail, so <laughs> so they can't listen to the show. Uh, Jeff Skilling, the former CEO, is out next year, actually. Oh. And then the other characters, by and large, we've made up. They are characters that work on the 15th floor in N1 broadband services. I've obviously I've read books and watched documentaries on, on N1, so I've tried to, you know, to the best of my ability, create a world around that. A general note and this is a little bit disappointing to anyone that's looking to be a writer unfortunately in this day and age you sort of do have to anchor yourself to something in order for it to be marketable or mm. for people to bite size word of mouth pass the information on worst case scenario that is around talent so people can just have you seen the new timothy chalamet movie like that's how people will digest things or it will be attached to ip like comics have you seen the new spider-man and in terms of like absolute new original stuff i think it's christopher nolan and then i don't think <laughs> anyone else is making anything you sort of have to tie yourself to something jackie the ripper for example is quite clear what that is even in the title i don't have to spend a great deal of time in figuring out how the marketing works for that mm. boom is an okay title but when you say it's tagline is this isn't about enron it's about everything and like you terry you go ah enron i know enron and then that gets you in so i do find my i haven't written something that feels totally blank slate original ever you know <laughs> but I, I i am always anchoring to something that's so true and it's obvious now now you say it. of course you are that, that's exactly what you're doing because boom is clearly about I guess the situation, the premise is around this Enron scandal, and then you've built a, a story around that. And mm. obviously, Jackie the Ripper, uh, the thing you, you mentioned earlier about how men would react to what happens to women on a, a regular yeah. basis. I mean, it's obvious and explicit for anyone who listens, but it's not obvious unless you listen that that happens. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think... It's only, bear in mind, like these things take a while to make. So I came up with the idea of Jackie the Ripper in 2020. Right. And I think now, just even the sort of uh, meandering maturity of anyone in their 30s, now I'm not, I'm not embarrassed about it by any means because I'm very, very confident that every person that listened to the show gets what we're trying to do. Mm. But everybody that's heard about the show and sees and hears the title of Jackie the Ripper, it is actually quite an uncomfortable thing to to envisage because you know there shouldn't be a comedy about women that have been murdered whether it's 130 years ago or not is not the point but like mm. sh that shouldn't happen but the fact of the matter is i've made it now it's out there and i'm comfortable with what happens in the story that the right targets are being made fun of but <laughs> it's one of those things where that title is going to be there for a very long time and it's and it's up to people to kind of put the show in their ears sort of i don't know forgive the first impression and not judge that particular book by that cover mm. so yeah it is something i think about it's it's probably it, you know if if the idea came to me now i probably wouldn't have done it it was something that i didn't probably think enough about and when you write 10 episodes of something 
and spend you know dozens and dozens and hours of something you actually think about it more you do actually think you know is this is this the right place to be trying any kind of comedy it doesn't matter that you're making fun of men and men's rights activists and mm. all those kinds of people um it's just is it is it the correct starting place and yeah i don't i don't know if i would have made it today but <laughs> well you know, uh, yeah, the but third season's coming out soon <laughs> so yeah so it, it's obviously it's it's found its audience and on, on the subject of its audience um because jackie the ripper followed the offensive and the offensive had presumably an, an established audience and clearly jackie the ripper even though it's not about football has lots of elements to it which would definitely appeal to the audience of the offensive um, because there's yeah. a lot of familiarity from some of the actors that you yeah. you use in it but also the way that it refers to uh like the mob culture of of the general public and like and i guess Perhaps, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, Joel, both The Offensive and Jackie the Ripper do have a nod or a wink towards, I guess, how some people that might describe themselves as progressive look at some people who might not be defined as, yeah. as progressive uh, in their yes. way of thinking. That's, yeah, that's and that's, right, what, that's yeah. where the comedy often comes from as well. Yeah, I think um, generally we'll make fun of mob mentality that will be across our shows because it's something that just makes us laugh mm. it will be like the point that you said of sort of progressive versus non-progressive or obstructive or conservatism or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and then i suppose for jackie the only thing that i sort of po-faced unironically defended was working in public service because I do think it's something to me, it seems immensely valuable that mm. people do that, whether they're police officers, nurses or, or whatever they may be. Where, and, but I think in terms of today's climate, they're not just undervalued. I think a lot of them are, are quite routinely mocked, maybe not in the health service, but plenty of other services and their, you know, their salaries questioned and all those kinds of things. Um, so I, that was probably the only thing that Jackie was serious about is kind of defending in this instance, it was the City of London Police. And I'm aware that's not a cool thing to defend right now, police officers, but I, I felt like it was the right thing to do. Mm. Sorry, if it was, <laughs> sorry if it wasn't. <laughs> Just to give a bit more focus on, on the offensive, because I, I appreciate there will be people listening to this, Joel, who, who have not listened to any of this that, that you've produced yeah. and, and hopefully they will go and listen to it. The offensive, just to fill people in, is now in its fifth, season and yeah. essentially there is uh, an episode every week throughout the football season um so it's following this fictional premier league football team week by week uh, it's sort of almost soap opera esque sometimes yeah. i guess if you've been listening from the start uh, it w it would help but you don't necessarily always have to listen from the start to to enjoy it. although i imagine at this point by year 5 most of the jokes are yeah. hoping people are familiar with, with the characters. Yeah, so the offensive will have, every week I find there's about 10,000 people playing catch-up. Mm. So I, I do always think about those listeners. But yeah, you're right, the offensive, I don't I don't recommend it, to be totally honest. I don't recommend, I recommend listening, <laughs> but I don't recommend making a show in that way, like sort of putting the, the tracks in front of a moving train. It's not easy. Um, you... 
your cast have to be unwaveringly not loyal is not the word I'm looking for, but sort of generous with their time. Mm. Um, you're always going to be busy and, you know, football being football, things change last minute and, and scandalous things happened. And it's our, it's our job to kind of put that in the show. So you, you'll be, you'll be doing edits on a Sunday and something will happen in a game and you've got to put that in. And yeah, it's not something I recommend, but it is something that only audio can do apart from a, a blogger, you know, audio overheads are, pretty damn good if if i if this was a tv show and i wanted to knock it together in a week and i'm expecting those actors to be off book because they can't be looking at their scripts in a tv show and i want to go to the emirates stadium and i want there to be sixty thousand fans there please thanks very much there's no way i wouldn't get that done in a month let alone a week whereas in audio i can tell you you're at the emirates stadium <laughs> and i can tell you it's at full capacity you know the, the characters, the, the actors, sorry, can can play the characters and, and they're reading, performing the, the lines off of their phone. They don't need to be off book. So audio is the only thing that makes this possible. I was going to mention in appreciation with, with the offensive especially, but, but in some of your other work as well, as a radio person, I love whenever there is a reference to like a radio phone in or, yeah. or, or I mean, you, you often in the offensive, especially you're talking about sports media. But I love, I love the local radio callers. That's Matthew Napier Fox, and on the line I've got a remainer. It's Andrew from Seven Oaks. Uh, I've got here that Andrew believes the European Union is a collection of like-minded nations enshrined in unity to protect the ethics, values, and spirit of European democracies against the rise of China, Russia, and the United States. He also believes that true happiness in life and global politics is one of cooperation, understanding and respect. Goodness me. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi. Matthew, I'll start with you. It kind of always tickles me immensely and reminds me of radio work that I've been involved in in the past. Well, it's because we end up making we uh, we ended up it wasn't part of the plan. Obviously, Ashwood City Football Club is who it's based on. We ended up obviously with uh, this fictional city in Kent. You start to build, you know, after 150 episodes, you you do start to build a little world around it. There, of course, is a, a, a local Ashwood City, a few Ashwood City radio stations. There's obviously Ash- local news. There's an Ashwood City. There's an Ashwood MP. There's all sorts of things like that. So yeah, there's just one of those things where. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, and let's not forget as well, Joel. There's uh, there's former Ashwood City players, which are always, I imagine, um, yeah. fan favourites of the podcast. Well, it's Billy Richards, who's a, who's Richards, a frequent, yeah, yeah, frequent uh, voice on on the podcast as a former player who seems to have played for every Premier League team there's ever been. What of now? I've got Billy Richards alongside me, who played for both sides. Of course, some would forget his time at Leeds. Billy. I did indeed, Peter. What an atmosphere we've got today, Dartley Park. Always the, the pundit in that sort of Jamie Carragher style. Yeah, but then and then also sort of speaking about when we we were saying that how you speak to the fans of the show, we will include real life football players and say that they used to play for. Ashwood. So, for example, I think David Dunn, for example, mm-hmm. used to play for Ashwood City. Now, if you don't know football, obviously that doesn't mean anything to you. But for people that know football, you know, you can envisage the size of the club mm. by me just saying that David Dunn used to play for Ashwood City. You <laughs> yeah. go, oh, okay, so they yeah. definitely weren't the best. Yeah, someone someone um, who was okay at Blackburn Rovers once upon a time. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So y- you you immediately put the image in that person's head of where this club have been in the last 20 years. And it's such an easy way of doing it. That's the thing. That's the great thing about football is that people are so knowledgeable about a subject. It's just, it's not, it's not impressive. Fo- knowing a lot about football is not impressive, but you're almost at the level of, there's not an ology that you can study for football, but you've been studying it since you were five or six years old. So you always, you have all this information about it. So when I say to you, David Dunn used to play for Ashwood City, mm. you can immediately build the image of that team in your head. And I don't have to do any more exposition than than just that. Yeah. Um, it's a really handy tool. It's really like it connects with people as well, I think. You've kind of already alluded to, to answers to, to this question in terms of if there's any advantage for you as a writer that these series are, are podcasts rather than radio or, or TV. You've talked about overheads and, and like getting into stadiums would be impossible for yeah. visual things and stuff like that. I assume as well that because it's audio, or podcast specifically, you get to have proper editorial control, I, yeah. I presume, as well. Whereas if it were part of a, a radio station, there might be more interference. I may, Maybe you don't know because yeah, it's not a sphere yeah. you're in. I don't know, but... Would you consider making audio drama for radio stations? Yeah, I, I've had the conversations. Like you said, they're they're quite they're quite hands on editorially. To go to that initial point you made about the benefits of it being, of writing for audio, there's two things. The, the first one is, you know, we're not Spotify or Audible. I mean, we kind of do work for Audible sometimes, but we're not them Mm. and in control of their budget so the the actor's time that we have is very little and it should be because those people should be worth much more than what we can give them so what we do is we say this is your fee which isn't the best it's not the worst but what we'll do is we'll make sure that you are not working on this for very long at all this will be 25 minutes on your you know Mm. thursday afternoon or whatever it may be if i said to Paul Waggett, for example, who's in the offensive and Jackie. If I said to him, I've written a play, Paul. If you could be off book and learn these lines in the next few weeks, the show starts in uh, October. All right, cheers, mate. All the best. Mm. The fee's the same. That would be way too much to ask. It would never happen for a start because that person should turn me down. Mm. Whereas audio, I don't have that. I can get those brilliant actors to work on the stuff in a totally reasonable time frame that doesn't offend them and doesn't make their work any of a less standard. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing about another benefit of audio that goes to your radio question is audio is a really intimate thing, I think, mm-hmm. because it's usually someone's listening to it in a car, they're usually by themselves, or it's headphones in their ears. They're not sat around the wireless in 1931 with the whole family. I don't. I dread to think people put the offensive on with a group of people in the room. That would be makes my skin crawl. To be honest, it's right in their ears, so you can go and do. It. Obviously, there is every kind of swear word under the sun in the offensive. In Jackie, there's every kind of disgusting sound effect, but it's right in that person's ears. And the more every time I think of a new idea, I'll think to myself. That's a bit family friendly, Joel. This is audio. You have the chance to speak directly to someone. You have the chance to do something that people aren't doing on TV or in film by being totally truthful or explicit or whatever that may be. And to go to your question of radio, I wonder if radio might 
take that feeling away and actually make it not necessarily family friendly friendly or mainstream but they might find that those things that are quote unquote you know offensive or a bit too forthright or you know bad taste they might take those bits away and that kind of intimate experience is gone mm. so I'm not saying that everything I'm ever going to make is, is going to have some sort of angle to it because I'm working on things now that don't have those points in them. But when you do get a new idea, you should run that audio test by it as what can I do in audio? What can I get away with in this medium that the other mediums won't let me get away with? Because you should think that because you need to distance yourself or make yourself different in one way, shape or form anyway. One of the big fiction shows in recent years was The Passenger List and that was made a lot of american actors but it's made in the uk it's about a plane crash that's not a spoiler that happens in the opening couple of minutes <laughs> sure. it's about a plane crash it's like you imagine trying to do a plane crash on tv and film and things like that you you, you immediately you can sort of set your sights on sort of a, a big big set piece or a big hook or whatever to try and to try and get away with i realize that doesn't answer your radio question but i just thought i should I add know. that bit on there is there much money for successful podcast drama these days for people who are wanting to get into uh, radio or podcasting we'll focus on podcasting is there is it commercially viable i would say for the most part no Mm. uh somebody i worked with recently worked out that to get a thousand pounds in ad revenue you probably need about 40 to fifty-five thousand downloads which is a lot. Mm. It's not a lot for a celebrity chat show where it's like, let's talk about this mm. because those people conduct large audiences. But if you're, if you're building from scratch, it's a lot. Here's where Adam and I have started. So we've just formalized our production company after four years of making the offensive, going into our fifth year now and doing a couple of other shows. And this is our experience as what has happened. We are now selling scripts. Well, I'm selling scripts we're selling ideas we've got people asking for more of our work but what's also happened is that we are doing sound design and story design for those kinds of scripted factual shows we've shown that in the offensive and jackie and boom we're actually not bad at sound design Mm -hmm. and when somebody says for example i'm working on something right now that's about various wars in history no, it's a it's a scripted factual. It's a it's a read, and it's and it's written by a historian. But I'm building in sort of battle soundscapes, and then we're getting actors to read excerpts from you know Queen Victoria or Lord Raglan or whatever it may be. Mm. And then on top of that, because we are creatives and we're not, we haven't just done sound with our background. Adam and I will also say there's a chance for a, a mini scene here. There's a chance to do we could chance to hear the soldiers burying their friend here, or there's a chance to do the soldiers singing some sort of Christian choir that they would have sang in 1855 in the Crimean war kind of thing. So we're kind of exercising all those skills and things that we've learned in audio drama and bringing them to scripted factual in the same way that documentaries have completely changed documentaries 15 years ago, never did reenactments. And if they did do reenactments, they were crap. Whereas (laughs) now if you watch Netflix, they are super slick, visual set pieces that they put into a show when you know they're just interviewing someone and then you'll have these amazing shots of you know some psycho driving across LA with someone in his trunk 
those have become part and parcel of you know the most high-end netflix documentary and, and what we're finding now is people are coming to us and going we've got this and we're happy with it but it needs more like we've one of the big shows that adam and i have just been signed to do is two massive ex-pro footballers talking to each other but the the big big mainstream production company that are responsible for it have asked for it to have something more to it mm. and the company that made it for them have come to me and adam because that's what we do we're we're the people that make stories into audio form and they want those stories that these two ex-pros are talking about to be kind of visualized would be the word mm. obviously it's audio no i know uh, yeah, audio yeah. you're painting um, you're painting a picture with audio that's yeah. yeah exactly so so we're using all those things and we're doing the same things that we would have done with the offensive and jackie we're reaching out to actors who can do a voice in it who can be you know people shouting in a war or people shouting on the pitch or you know can be news reporters at the time who can be all those sorts of things we're doing all the same things it's just we didn't we didn't write it and it's not our original material so you can definitely make a living in audio fiction if you want to call it that it's just you're going to have to utilize every aspect of of what that means you the skill set that you've built is unique it, it may not feel like it but it is unique in this industry that's still quite immature the majority of podcast 99% of podcasts will fail and unfortunately 99% of podcasts are white blokes sitting in a room telling you that you should sign up to squarespace um <laughs> and they will go like they, they they i know they were first on the scene and everything but people the the industry is starting to mature people do want something different in their ears it is changing and i would get your skills in order get some good solid actors on your books to be able to reach out to and start finding ways in which you can make things more interesting definitely do your own stuff but the way we found to sort of guarantee monthly income and set up our company proper is to be the guys that will make that thing that you've made more interesting because people are getting tired of even even two massive ex-footballers talking to each other people want more now and i think the audio drama audio fiction brigade are the only people that can do it really I had no idea you were you were doing all that as well. Yeah, hopefully you will. It will be more clear in a in a couple of months. It's just at that stage where we're sort of halfway through a bunch of projects at the moment. But hopefully in a couple of months these things will be out there and you can have a listen. Yeah, brilliant, um, Joel. You've you've helpfully going back to your I guess your audio drama writing. You've you've helpfully put out some making of or you know behind the scenes episodes for the offensive and for Jackie the Ripper. It's really interesting insight in in those episodes which i would recommend listeners of this podcast should definitely check out and i'll put links uh, in the show notes too but as a writer would you say there's a right way to put episodes of a podcast drama together yeah the first thing will be alluding to what i said earlier which is you don't have as much of that of the listener's attention as you think Mm. in audio so I would look at your your plot and your story arc and I would obviously don't scream into the microphone key plot points to get it across. But like if you thought that plot point was subtle, beef it up just a little bit because you're in audio now Mm. and you've you've got you've really got to have that idea of a character or a plot sit in someone's head. So it comes as a surprise. And don't worry. I worried for a long time and I still do worry that in Jackie the Ripper, it might be too clear or not clear enough 
in certain episodes who the killer is mm. don't worry about that i think people are along for the ride they're not they're not here to to rewatch the usual suspects and be completely blown away by not seeing something happen so <laughs> something coming i would say the correct way of of writing something is making sure that you're really putting the plot into people's heads so they know exactly what it is you're not going to get away with great sweeping shots and sexy people on camera you've got to sell that plot because that's that's all you have really all you've got is audio that's definitely a right way of doing it as i've said a wrong way of doing it is uh committing something like the offensive once a week which is a painful experience but very enjoyable because we've got some great fans the best advice i think is the bit that i've already given in that even if it's a totally unique story and everything does it feel familiar people mm. are they going to stick around do they trust you and they'll only trust you if it feels familiar people trusted us on the offensive because premier league football felt familiar people trusted us with jackie because true crime murder sexual appendages being ripped off felt familiar you know mm. cinema and tv have explored those areas probably too much mm. and and boom and i think i think we got a lot right in boom that was our one where we were like, you know, we've got a we've got a bigger story here. Let's, you know, get people in mentally in 1999, but otherwise we're going to really test the waters of what we can and can't do. So, yeah, I think you've got the chance with audio to get the balancing act right of, of doing something original that TV and film have overlooked, but you've got to get that trust with the listener. And I think that you do that with familiarity. I'm sure there are plenty of other ways, but I just haven't discovered what those, uh, those levers are. So I always pull on the, the lever of, imagine you know i'll write it as a as a tv show as a cop drama and then i'll go and fiddle with it to make sure it works in audio if you know what i mean joel can you tell us a little more about how you got into writing scripts audio drama what were you doing before and and what were your other jobs i've probably been writing well i've been trying to write since i was probably 11 or 12 then sort of i wrote something in 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 university that was about a guy that didn't get the role of ron weasley mm. and it was like a it was like a mockumentary about him and that looked like it might have some kind of traction obviously the, the industry being the industry it didn't and then i did a play called good cop bad cop i did a movie an independent movie that i'm not proud of and then because it's crap, not because it's you know, not porn or anything. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, and then Adam and I sort of worked our way into, into podcasting. But what I did for a living during all that time, when I when I got out of university, I, I went and uh, interned in sports broadcasting. I eventually got a part-time job through a third party, but essentially working on match of the day for about 90 quid a week. And then that turned into uh, working in sports live production for for 10 years or so and it's only recently that i've actually left the industry to fully do our own thing but in terms of in terms of writing yeah that was that was the journey i basically tried a, a number of of mediums i enjoyed some aspects of them and i loathed some aspects of them and then a, sh a show idea that we always thought was going to be a pitch for tv so much so that we made a pilot was the offensive mm. and then I said to Adam Jarrell, Adam's the, my sort of creative partner, and he's the director of The Offensive. I said to him, do you think this would work as a podcast? Because he'd done a podcast interview sort of thing 
show before called Inside the Actors Studio Flat, mm -hmm. where he would interview actors and sort of talk about their process and their craft and their journey and all that kind of thing. And then he said, yeah. And then we launched it in August 2018. We would high five, run around the room, hug each other if we got double figures listening. You know, we would try and aim for 11 <laughs> listens a day. At one point, we got nine listens, which was pretty devastating. Then <laughs> in episode six, I think, Ashwood City played Bournemouth. It was a very Bournemouth-heavy episode. And some Bournemouth fans got hold of it and started tweeting about it. And that sort of 12 listens a day turned to sort of 60 listens a day. And then a guy, a big-ish football account that's got about 30, maybe 50,000 followers these days, Johnny Sharples tweeted about it. He liked it. And then that turned into sort of 150 downloads a day. Mm. And then eventually we came across uh, Stack, which are, they're an in, uh, independent podcast production company. They do massive shows like the Football Ramble and stuff who are our audience. Mm. So they said, come and sign a deal with us and we'll, We'll advertise you on our network to our fans. And then that 150 downloads a day turned into about 5,000, I'd say. Mm. And and then, you know, from now, and now we're actually, strange, we always say this, we're sort of strangely disconnected from the numbers, really. We don't, a mm. lot of people in podcast, if you've met people in podcasting, all they do is talk about numbers. Mm. It's not something that Adam and I talk about. It's you know, we're not bashful or vain about it or anything. It never comes up. Yeah. I think that's just something that happens with audio drama because you're thinking about scripts and, and actors and and scenes. It just is the way it is. When we started The Offensive, the goal was to get to 10,000 downloads by the end of the season, the end of the season being May, and we started in August. Hmm. We had 10,000 downloads by the October, I think, or November. And in fact, in fact, a couple of days a week, we were getting 10,000 a day. So that's the that's the kind of journey we've we've been on and now th this is the offensive's final season it was always meant to be a five-year plan so you know at the end of may when the football season ends that's when we will be on pastures new just to jump back a bit in time sorry did you mm. do any sort of as a writer did you do any sort of writing qualifications or or courses or was it just a, a hobby and something you did uh, in your own just, time just a hobby yeah just a hobby the problem that every single writer will have is a fire under your ass to actually consistently write you know, like you look at novelists who do 60,000 odd words and stuff like that the reason why they're doing it sorry novelists the reason why they're doing it is because somebody is at the other end of, of an email or a phone that says i have to get this by october yeah, otherwise we're not going to be able to sell this book that's the reason why they're doing it the reason why i've done nearly 200 episodes of all my stuff is every listener, every fan will be demanding an episode on Monday morning. And that is what's turned me into what I would, I would, ne would never dream of calling myself a writer four or five years ago, even though I was trying my best to write, I was just mortified that all I could point to was a play and an awful film. Whereas now I definitely would at writing. I write probably 60 pages a week across different th things and I do it because I have to, I, I genuinely have to, mm. I have to, because sometimes there's somebody that a certain company that I'm working with that wants to see it. And I said, I'd get it to them. Sometimes it's because Adam and I are trying something out and we want to get this new project sorted and we want to see this thing. And then the main reason is the listeners would bloody kill me. If I said, I didn't really feel like it this week. <laughs> um, there's not an episode yeah. all the best that, that writing by necessity is completely, hacked my brain as they would say 
into making me a writer. It never would have happened before. There's no way. And it's not because I was lazy. It's because it takes something to make you write. And that was the thing that was making me write, basically. Joel, thank you so much for your time. Before you go... No, thank you, Terry. But just one thing before you go, because we always ask everyone this last question, and that is... If there is any one radio program or podcast that you would recommend people listening to this should go and listen to, for whatever reason. I would say uh, Passenger List is a cracker for, for audio drama, and it's not it's not too much in your ears. It's a, it's a really good balance. I would say Sweet Bobby on BBC Sounds as, as a true crime documentary is great. Noiser do some good stuff. They do a show called Real Dictators, if if you're into that kind of thing, where they'll they'll do a bit of soundscaping and stuff around sort of scripted factual reads about history. And then there's another BBC Sounds one called The Coming Storm that I thought was really good. Uh, I think it kind of charts how on earth the January 6th insurrection or attempted insurrection happened. You can just sort of see in those shows that the the industry starting to change, and it's not just about a journalist or a person talking to a microphone. There's there's more storytelling and and sound design and all sorts going on in them. So I, I, that's why I like those things, uh, and I recommend them. Massive, massive thanks to Joel. I really enjoyed our chat. Here are a few of the takeaways from it. Joel mentioned multiple times that a key factor in good audio drama is to present listeners with a situation which is familiar to them. This would be different depending on the target audience and the story, but I think this is great advice for budding writers to have in mind. And, with audio, it can be relatively straightforward to put listeners in a situation like a football stadium or a crime scene, easier than if it were a TV series or a film anyway. And on that note, we talked about how audiences consume drama generally. Joel conceded that most of his target audience would probably say that TV or film drama was the most engaging form of drama. And as a result, he's creating audio that appeals to that audience. He gave an example of a car chase in Jackie the Ripper and how he aimed for the audio to help draw the streets in the minds of the listener. When talking about podcast drama as a business, Joel gave us some fantastic insight. The rough numbers of 50,000 downloads for £1,000 in advertising revenue, that was really interesting. Although even more interesting was hearing about how his and Adam Jarrell's new company, Holy Smokes, was working with various audio production companies on sound design, story design and scripts. It turns out audio drama experience has some transferable skills. Joel also referred to some of the other benefits of writing for audio, rather than, say, TV. One is that you can get access to actors and use less of their time as they can record lines quickly. Another is that you can get away with some more things, especially explicit things that you can't in other media. This is largely because, generally, people are listening to podcasts directly in their ears, through earphones. It is not a shared listening experience. Finally, I thought it was really interesting to hear that Joel has no writing qualifications. It was just a hobby, initially, and that it's only in recent years that he would consider himself a writer. Hearing the backstory of the creating of The Offensive and how quickly it grew was, I think, inspiring for any up-and-coming audio drama creators. Indeed, everything Joel said, I'd argue, was inspiring in some way. You can listen to The Offensive, Jackie the Ripper and Boom very easily. Just search for them 
on your favourite podcast apps. I would like to talk briefly now about something I've enjoyed listening to recently. I'm getting older, each year older than the new batch of students we take in at the University of Bedfordshire, and I'm increasingly reminded of that fact when they refer to music from 15 years ago as old school. That's not old school, is it? Anyway, to reminisce about my own childhood, the music I used to listen to on tape or CD, etc., I've enjoyed listening to BBC Sounds, Alternative Sounds of the 90s with Dermot O'Leary, Radiohead, Blur, Oasis, Yes Please, Alanis Morissette, I think everyone had a copy of her album. This programme is an excellent reminder of why curated music on radio still has a place. We can't just automatically fall back on Spotify and other music streaming platforms. I occasionally want to hear about someone's experience of consuming Supergrass's first album or an anecdote about R.E.M. and Dermot O'Leary does a very good job of that. Alternative Sounds of the 90s with Dermot O'Leary is available on BBC Sounds. This is the last episode of this run, but if you would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback, or something else, you're welcome to. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. You can also email us on fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Before we finish, it's time for the radio word of the week. Today it is SEG. It's a term in radio used to describe the transition from one track to another. Segs are often presenters introducing the next track or talking about what's about to come next during a programme. On our Myriad software in the Radiolab studios here, we have the ability to easily voice track, by which I essentially mean pre-record, presenter links using the software's Seg Edit tool. I can even do that in my own home. But when I show this tool to students, they often ask me what a seg is. And now we know. Seg is the radio word of the week. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. Do subscribe, give us a review and rating. Follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to our guest today, Joel Emery, writer of The Offensive, Jackie the Ripper and Boom, and the managing director of Holy Smokes. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise.